street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. What's up, guys? Good to see you. This is the uh, another review show of a module from the course called Navigating Beliefs. And this is a discussion about the second module of the course, probably one of the more controversial ones. I, I expect this one to be probably the most controversial module of the course, which is called Why Use Street Epistemology? And we make a distinction between some of the things that you should be using SE for and some of the the things that you could be using SE for. And I'm joined by many of the people behind the creation of that module. What's up, fellas? Good to What's see up? you. Hello. Good to be back. Yeah. Good right. to be All here. Right. What's up? Yeah. How was your Thanksgiving? Well, that doesn't apply to Michael or Robert for that matter. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I spent nearly an time. hour in the elliptical yesterday just trying to burn half of it off. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I ate so terribly. I was drinking sodas and eating candy and I had two huge plates of food and uh, yeah. Um, nice. And the elder, the elderly person at the table called me out on it too. Like, boy, you're really eating a lot. So I was like, oh, you mind your own business. Uh, That's what I would say. <laughs> I felt, <laughs> what do you mean by a lot? Exactly. Oh, man, we, it could have been fun to see that. That's the day to eat a lot. Mm -hmm. I thought so too, but I had a real good time. And yeah, so we're here to talk about the, the, the second module of this course, which uh, is all about the goals of SE. Generally, the goals that you have during the conversation, uh, not the broader goals that you might have, although we do touch on that in the course. But um, did anyone have anything you wanted to add about, about module two? Mm -hmm. Robert, you're the project manager behind this no. thing. You saw that this whole thing come together. Yes. Um, uh, in the in terms of the overall course arc, I think that the uh, module two is well placed because typically, uh, beyond asking what uh, uh, when a third person looks at an essay conversation, they say, "What are you doing?" And then the second question is, "Why are you doing it?" Like, why are you asking these questions? What are you up to? And um, that's why this is module two. This is this is answers the question, what. What should you be doing? Uh, what should you be up to, and what could you be up to uh, when you have an SE conversation? And so I think that's it's it's the second most uh, popular question that people ask uh, when they learn SE and when they or when they see an SE conversation. Yeah, yeah. What are you hoping to achieve? I get that so, from so many of the talks that I've given on SE. I've often given talks <clears throat> explaining what it is and how you do it. And then it's all, it's usually during the Q and A, like, well, why why are you doing that? And it's happened so much that now I just incorporate that into my talks. I try to hit it. You know, what am I hoping to achieve by it? And it's not always a straightforward answer to that question, as we'll find out, because people, the six of us, probably when we do SC, we probably do it for somewhat different reasons. Uh, why we do it? It's probably not completely the same. Yeah, in fact, I was thinking it might be fun just to go around and ask why you do SE. Um, I, I can share my reason because I don't want to put you on the spot right, you know, <clears throat> in the moment. But I found debate and arguing doesn't work. You know, it, it. I feel crappy afterwards, and I feel 
I feel good after doing an SE talk. I feel like I understand my conversation partner. They understand me. I don't feel ashamed from having the conversation if I do an SE talk. You know, I, I feel good about about it, and they usually feel good about it too. And you know, once you do that enough, and you see the benefit of of using an SE approach in a conversation, I I don't want to ever go back to debating. I, I just don't see the utility of it. Uh, so that's that's a big part of it. Just ge generally, just how I feel be be before, during, and afterwards mm -hmm. is a big part of it for me. Yeah, I think we live in a device. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Who's next, Nathan? Should we just go in, in sequence sure. here? Left to right, top to bottom? Sure. Nathan. Hopefully it's all the same. Sure. Well, like, I want to know things that are... I, I don't want to be believing in anything that's not true. And I want to be believing in things that are true uh, most of the time. I mean... There's some exceptions to that, like, I guess, like there's useless truths, like trivia facts and things like that. Um, though there's so much conflict in America, in this country, and I want to do something about that. Uh, this just seems like probably one of the most interesting things. And I come from a political science background. And as I was studying uh, political science, uh, I just and psychology at the same time, like, cause I wasn't sure which major I wanted. Um, I recognized that there were ways to study how, like what ideologies people believe in. <laughs> there were fat, there were, there were predictable factors that would lead to people to be believing in certain kinds of ideologies, um, which I found absolutely fascinating. And then um, when I got deeper into political science, I saw a lot of activists um in various clubs and groups when i was a, a college student and I, I saw that they were going about their activism all wrong <laughs> from my point of view uh they were getting really confrontational getting in people's faces um and they were making scenes on college campuses and uh I just thought that there was a, there had to be a better way that plus, um, growing up as a kid, like watching movies, lots and lots of movies, lots of movies. Cause I was broke, especially in college. I had like one of those blockbuster memberships. Um, so I see, saw like everything. There's so many times in movies where the main character, if only they just were more clear with their communication could have cleared up a huge plot device in the whole movie like the, the movie mm. showed some part of the story uh there was a problem in the story and it's generally because the main character didn't explain well enough or ask the right kinds of questions and that always irked me so much <laughs> uh and so i've always been just drawn to better communication clearer communication opening up uh dialogue between people who are thinking very differently about things to resolve their disputes. Um, and so I just found it super interesting, super fascinating. And I want to help other people who want to be activists themselves. Um, and so when I started the channel, I, I wanted uh, my own channel. I wanted to see if I, maybe there was something I was doing that was wrong. Uh, and, and one way to study that is to record yourself and play it back. 
<laughs> and I discovered a whole bunch of stuff uh, that I wasn't doing correctly. And the street epistemology community is a bunch of people who are concerned about how we're talking to each other, how we're investigating what we believe. And um, I just thought it was like the coolest uh, thing to be into, which is just every what everyone is into. What are you into? And when there's something like, it's so weird to go to a park and sit down with a sign that says, what do you believe in why? It, it's like the weirdest thing ever to do. Like you, especially if you're by yourself, but when you are done at the end of the day, like I have this just sense of meaning and purpose, I guess, <laughs> like weld up. Like I just feel so good. Uh, after doing it um and uh it does tend to sometimes give me anxiety because i recognize just how many beliefs people have out there to help them get through the day um that aren't really founded on any kind of evidence for that very well might not be true uh just to help them get through hard times or difficult situations and I want to know if there's a better way to do that than diluting oneself. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone out there is diluting themselves, but most people have something. I'm sure I have something. Uh, and if I do, if I'm harboring something, then I want to know. So that's kind of why I do it in a nutshell. That was great. That is great. I could relate great. to so much of what you said there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of that resonates for me. So sort of the same reasons. I think the primary one for me is to uh, minimize my own errors. So it's a bit like a casting a net out there and just trying to see, be as open-minded as I can and to see where I'm wrong about things, get outside perspective. So that would be the main one. Um, second one would be, uh, I guess it's, it's really helpful just to manage with managing conflicts in addition to NVC, nonviolent communication. So I've picked up some really good um, communication skills just through practicing SE on uh, Discord server and elsewhere. So that's been really helpful just in everyday conflict and um, on that part of it. And then the third one, which Nathan touched on, um, being of, of, a, of service to other people. So I also see like being overconfident is a real problem in the world. And um, if being overconfident has the potential to cause harm to yourself, to other people is it a good thing to ask questions that you might not have thought of yourself to help you to reflect on whether you're being overconfident and uh, so i see that if that's what people desire then i see that as being of service to people it's helping them in that way just to be a check on whether they're overconfident and they can decide for themselves so very similar to nathan that's that's why i do it well you guys have really um explained the why probably of why I do it. Um, I think even more important for me, uh, rather than the why, is um, the result. And in, in I think in me personally, I think it's made me a better person in that it used to be if, you know, if I was maybe at Thanksgiving and or something and someone said some crazy claim, I 
maybe my first reaction would be to get upset or feel tense or feel anxious about it or um you know avoid a person you know because of it or who knows and now when i hear claims when i hear it it's now it's just it's i don't take it personally it's just it's just another claim to be investigated and i can just divorce myself from that claim and really think about how that claim came to be and it just when i think about it that way and interact with people in that way it just makes me a uh, I think it just makes me a better person. I just, it's, it's, I'm not going to take your claims personally and, and, and hopefully you don't take my per claims personally. And maybe we can just talk about this together and figure out how we know what we know. And, and, and maybe if we all interacted in this way. Um, we would uh, be able to turn down the temperature a little bit. Nice. Oh, that's good again. That's very well said. Um, yeah, so uh, from my perspective, uh, in terms of SE, I've, I've done SE with family and friends, also with coworkers. And uh, typically, when you're when you're facing somebody who has um, uh, a very different set of uh, beliefs and, and where they're coming from, um, before SE, uh, my options I had two options. One is debate them, and the other is shut up. up. <laughs> And so, and and just let them be. And so I thought, there's got to be another way, right? And for for people who are out there who who want to change minds, um, uh, there is there is a way which can uh, create fertile ground for that to occur. And uh, so, from my perspective, uh, one of the things. Um, I've learned from from SE is uh, better critical thinking skills uh, and as, as a kind of a personal goal. But in terms of the other person getting uh, to a point where there is a common ground and a kind of an open channel of communication, that bridge uh, can be uh, effectively crossed and i've seen it happen i've ha i have some friends who are deep into uh, some heavy duty conspiracy theories and feel that they are really smart cookies they've done their research and um and, and they, they feel that they are evidence-based and uh so i mean uh there are ways to respond to that and se has helped me do that well said nice yeah I don't know if yeah. I should start with what my goals were when I first started and how they changed over time. I guess I'd like to hear that. Yeah, that could be interesting too. Yeah, like the first book, A Manual for Creating Atheists. At this, I think a part of me is definitely wanting to create more atheists or just help people think more critically about at least religion. That was a big part of it at first to be able to remove faith as an epistemology to delegitimize that in the culture as a way of justifying beliefs faith i was very inspired from sam harris's the end of faith you know in the new atheism movement this was like an interesting way to promote that idea that we should not respect faith as an epistemology or as like 
anything of virtue in, in culture and society. And that's how I got into it. But over time, after pretty much, I think, succeeding in some way in, in showing faith to be not a good way to think about how we come to knowledge, like I remember back in the day, like apologists would criticize criticize SE and write write articles and all that. Yeah, I think over time, I think we've pretty much succeeded in that goal in delegitimizing faith. Uh, so then we kind of moved on, at least I did, to more uh, interesting topics, stuff I've found come up around 2016, 2017, moving into social issues that I saw split the atheism community. And I want to know why that happened. And then I tried to talk about those issues surrounding that whole kerfuffle. And over time, getting into the deep philosophical and epistemological roots of even what we were doing in terms of the Enlightenment, uh, Enlightenment values, liberalism, and then seeing more in a broad way the not just the enemies from the right or the religious, but enemies from the, the left and the you know that side. So now it's all the same problem. It's the problem of epistemology. Different people have bad ways of reasoning, and I want to help one. But right now, expose those reasons and ideologies, make them clear, to get people to understand what is the what are who are the enemies of the Enlightenment, and why do they believe it, so that we can address those issues. So they think the Enlightenment is, and all the values in it are really great values and ideas that need to be kept in culture and society so that we can correct our errors and make progress intellectually and morally and keep our societies dynamic and not static so that we can live better lives and flourish individually and collectively. I think those are my main goals now. Yeah, and just having fun talking with people exploring ideas whenever that stuff doesn't really come up that's interesting that that shift from uh, the atheism origins of se to the broadening out of the approach like i think it's been one of the best things that happened to se that that wasn't constrained and that people quickly saw the utility of it to use it beyond just the religious claims um it's neat to see that happen um it would be sad if 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 se just always stayed within sort of atheist circles i've been grateful that it that it's expanded beyond um i've, I've often said like i think se is a great tool to learn regardless of where you stand on any claim so if you are in one of those far right or far left camps or somewhere in the middle i think se is the tool that you would want to use when you encounter somebody that you disagree with uh, you know, regardless of of where you stand on those on those claims, so uh, the, the the versatility of of SE is uh, something that I'm particularly grateful for. If you happen to be an atheist, using SE to investigate the claim of a, a, 
I mean, if you happen to be a theist, using uh, SE to investigate the claim of a theist is a really powerful way to do it. Or even if you're like really dogmatic on the left or really dogmatic on the right, it, that, learn the tool. <clears throat> that is a tool that I would want somebody to use on my claims. And and um, I think sometimes I think people get worried when they see somebody that they disagree with vehemently on a topic, use SE and think, oh, it's been corrupted. Um, they're now using SE in a bad way or something like that. I think like technically if you're doing SE, it, um, it, again, it doesn't matter where you stand on the claim. You should be allowed to do SE and, and proceed to, to challenge somebody that you disagree with. Um, even if you think that their views are just horrible. And that's what my hopes with AI, like when, you know, when AI, the chatbots can do SE, you can see that, well, the AI doesn't care about which claim you're using, it's just going to ask you questions. And then we could divorce people from it and just have this really super um, uh, intelligent conversation with a chatbot. And then you can see how, well, it doesn't really matter if a person's asking these questions or a computer's asking these questions. It's just, it's the process of these, of these questions <clears throat> investigating how you know what you know. One of the biggest barriers I found is the the psychosocial motivation, especially group think and being stuck in your tribe. And I'm wondering, maybe we need like Elon's Neuralink to be able to help us to overcome that. Maybe that'll be the future. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not ready to be, have my brain drilled on quite yet. But... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Got a comment yeah. from... Shukzan. Hello all. I've been following his movement for about five years. I've been haven't been actively filming or setting up tables, but I have been attempting to use SE with family um, and nice. friends whenever possible. And that's great. It's exactly that's really a great day. Yeah, I, I think that's when one. that's that's uh actually family and friends is, is typically the, the the most common use of SE. Uh what 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 people see in terms of the recordings is really the tip of the iceberg. So um whoever's doing SE with family and friends, you're are uh, you're in the the core of what most people do in terms of SE. I would like to say is that when I usually, when I do SE, I'm usually doing it with pu in public with people I don't know. And with, you know, I really fully realize that most people are using it with their friends and family. And that's more challenging in the kind of SE than I typically do. Because when you have a relationship with somebody, these, it can make things a lot more complicated and, and, uh, and fully recognize that. And so, um, yeah. T typically, uh, with family and friends, uh, you have you have certain tell, right? You, there's certain behaviors, certain ways you speak, certain ways you behave uh, that the other person knows very well, and so they, if they already know uh, your position on whatever it is you're talking about, and um, so it, it is. That's one of the difficulties in terms of yeah. It, it, uh, if you're meeting somebody in a park off the street, you start from the zero line. Of you, you know, no, there's, you know, it's a blank, blank page, and uh, there's a certain minimum level of cordiality you start with, etc. But if there's baggage there, and a history, and uh, then it's it's a much more complicated, much more nuanced uh, discussion. Yeah, I find doing SE with strangers is so much easier than doing it with somebody that you know. Um, if going out on the street. And recording SE conversations is your thing. There is a, a regular gathering that we have. Uh, just email creators at streetepistemologyinternational.org and we'll get you 
hooked up where you can meet with other content creators and share ideas and that type of thing. Have you ever gotten any pushback though? Um, that, uh, cause I've, I've, I've received a little bit of feedback from people saying I, SE was better when it was just about atheists exploring theistic claims. And I really wish that you would go back to that. Have you, have any, any of you encountered anything like that? Cause I've, I've, I've heard a little bit. It, I, it's surprising to me because it's like, why would you yeah. want to just hold this tool back for just that one, that one little small demographic? I would just tell them to go out and, and, and do that if that's what they want to do. I mean, from my perspective, it's about them. It's about what they believe. So when I go to a park, I don't, tr I'm trying less and less to um, impose what I want to talk about, uh, especially if I'm like doing it in a public park. Um, I want to ask open-ended questions like, what problems do you think are facing our country or our society today? What's, what's some of the biggest problems? And what yeah. do we do about that? And then I want to talk to them about that. Or, um, you know, what's, what is a value that you hold that you think a lot of people around you don't hold? Uh, what, yeah, what they, is something that's important? Something like that. And then that gets a ball rolling in their court. So that's I'm thinking I, that maybe maybe that that kind of feedback was coming from people who who are really concerned about religion and they didn't yeah. like the sort of the shift in direction of SE. But it's a minority view, but I've I've heard it a little bit from from some surprising people too. Like you would think that they would see. The My problem picture. is I'm in Portland, so there's not a lot of like religious street preachers or whatever. Right, and, and these people maybe <laughs> yeah maybe they're more ensconced in a religious type of climate where it's a bigger issue for them. Yeah. Although the very first time I ever did SE in the park, uh, ever Reed showed up to Portland actually. Uh, and I still have it in the queue. Um, Oh yeah. Posted at some point that was so, your first time in a park. That was my yeah. first time in a public park. Cause every other time I've done Festival. SE, it was at festivals, uh, because I, I think festivals are a great place to do SE because people are camping and they're, um, they're opening themselves up to new experiences. Uh, and they want to try new things. And if you have a workshop, people are like stoked <laughs> to like come and do a free thing. A um, yeah. Yeah. So I just like, yeah, come and do my like critical thinking workshop and we'll explore your ideas. And it, it, people like sit down and they'll commit a lot more time to it. So that's why I love doing it at festivals. Doing it in a public park is a whole different thing. Um, and in Portland, there's like... <laughs> there's a lot of uh weirdos and like random random people passersby and stuff yeah i got interrupted in my video too so uh yeah you'll see that at some point um but yeah my very first talk ever in a public park was just somebody who was just like telling me about how like the the pages of her book was like transforming into gold and like she was talking to her therapist about it but her therapist uh uh, didn't believe her until the pages turned to gold in front of her therapist. I was like, whoa. So oh, wow. yeah, yeah, stay tuned, stay tuned. It's uh, <laughs> I'm posting it at some point, but that was my very first talk. And it was like a deeply religious um, uh, one. So, I mean, it's still out there even in a place like Portland. So, um, but yeah, I certainly don't like seek it out. Now I have um, approached a street preacher once doing uh uh he was broadcasting on a radio show i guess 
outside of the Memorial Coliseum here in Portland. And um, I was uh, just driving by and I was like, oh man, I'm just going to pull over and talk with him really quick. So I like parked my car, yeah, got out and was just like, hey, like uh, everyone was shouting him down, first of all, because this is Portland. So there's not yes. a lot of people who are going to be like really supportive of him. Uh, so like, but people were like name calling him and just like, and he was getting it recorded and posted it to whatever public access radio show, I guess he was probably broadcasting to. And I was like, everybody go away. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? And it only took like maybe five or six minutes before he got really nervous. Like he, he withstood the shouting and the name calling and the, you know, all of this attacks, like, and he wore that with a badge of honor, though. None of that caused, like, none of that caused reflection. Exactly. And it's some like, like very respectful conversation with kindness and just like, <laughs> um, exploring hypotheticals and things like that. Uh, he is like, I gotta go. And he like put it to commercial. <laughs> wow. So, so that was, was I wish I had that, that recorded, but it was just like a spur yeah. of the moment thing. But talking to people who are activists themselves, those are great people to, to talk to. And if I knew more about like protests that were happening in Portland ahead of time, I would love to just show up before. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to name my channel Abstract Activist with lots of, of different reasons. But one of them was I wanted to talk to activists yeah. um, and, and go where they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, I'll, you, you actually, uh, you remind me, uh, Nathan, of, of a time where um, I was in downtown Toronto, and normally I, I that when you there are street preachers there, and um, I, I thought I think well, then I said when the street pre preachers out there uh, yelling and screaming at the crowd, um, this is not these are not conditions conducive to a, a, a you know heart to heart conversation. Yet nonetheless, I remember that time I went to this these these preachers, and it was a group of Muslim preachers. And they were all uh, talking about the Quran. And so I ended up speaking to one of them, who was one of the younger of the, there was about four or five there, and uh, they were doing their thing. And I stopped to talk to one of them. And it got very uh, uh, personal, one-to-one, -one -one, very quickly. And this person talked about you know, personal experience and they're growing up in their family and, and, uh, and why they believe what they believed. And the others stopped and looked to hear this conversation that I was having with one of them and they left us alone. Normally they were, they were ready to jump in there and quote some scripture, but they, 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 they left, they left us alone. And I had this one-on-one -on -one conversation in uh, in the middle of a summer day on a, a busy busy downtown street, and it and it was very um, uh, educational for me because I thought that normally this kind of circumstance is not not good for uh, for SE, but you can establish a rapport very quickly, um, even in 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 busy circumstances. Uh, so um, it was it kind of uh, taught me that sometimes conditions that don't seem to be conducive they are actually um so uh yeah it's, it's you remind me of that uh the time i had that conversation yeah there was a comment uh, above somebody asked us if we like to be se'd i can't remember where that comment is that would be my preference 
Yes, absolutely. Like, and that's another motivation to do this. As a matter of fact, the thing that like flipped the switch for me to want to start creating content for YouTube, because I'm not a big fan of social media. <laughs> I think it gives me anxiety. Um, and also I'm like constantly terrified of something that I say, like being clipped and then like <laughs> broken down by somebody like to insult me or make fun of me or whatever. I, I get anxiety about that. But um, I, uh, one of the things that flipped the switch for me was how SE is in my mind is kind of like, what is the outsider test for how you would want your beliefs to be dissected by somebody and like if that person really wanted to know how you knew what you knew but they didn't believe it like how would they go about asking you so they could know it or the reverse if i'm believing in something and it's not true how would i want to discover that it isn't um and once i realized that that was like a a way to think about it uh that really encouraged me to to get out there and start doing doing it so anthony are you going to share some of the screens from module two i can yep i got i can share my screen for sure we should probably show people what it is we're talking about with particular with this particular mm -hmm. module and then at the end of the show we'll bring on people uh and they can sure share why they do se Put the cool. link in the chat to here. Oh, cool. Wow. That's we'll just do okay. It. That's a first. Okay. We've never done that before. Have we? I don't know. I don't, I don't watch all these. Uh, that's cool. So yeah, if you're in the audience and you want to share why you do SE or yeah, why you use SE or maybe why you don't, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Why you don't. Uh, that yeah. Could, yeah. That could be fun too. But am I sharing my screen? I think so. And if you're in the, uh, and if you're in the audience, sign up for the go. course that we're showing you right now. <clears throat> Yeah. Yes. And module module two, when it comes to the the length of the modules, this is probably one of the sh maybe the middle middle tier ones. Uh, we've broken it up into two different sections: goals that you should pursue when doing street epistemology, and additional goals that you could pursue. And uh, the two the two uh, should goals are to understand others, and to encourage others to critically critically reflect. Yeah. Because, heck, if you don't have those two goals as your should goals, the additional goals here, I, I don't see how you could have the goal of persuading others to change their mind about something and it not be coercion if you don't have these first two goals of understanding other people and to help them critically reflect. And I, I'm, 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 I'm suspecting that this module here, this, um, this section 2.2.1, um, persuading others to change their minds about something might be one of the most controversial aspects of it. Uh, and, and maybe maybe it might be a bridge too far for some people. I think I, I've seen some SE practitioners um, maybe seem reluctant to push with their questioning to challenge people about uh, about their position, that it's more about understanding and reflection and then they're comfortable with that and they don't want to go much further than that. But you actually could, you could push, you could challenge to the point where um, somebody's actually reconsidering their position and maybe even changing their mind, which is what this illustration was, was attempted, uh, attempting to convey here. Mm 
and and the course makes a, a very good distinction between persuasion and coercion <clears throat> which we can get it to. does yeah it does uh we've defined the word person like when i heard the so we've we've had hours and hours and hours of discussions about this putting this stuff together and i think all of us were uncomfortable with the word persuasion and, and i still am even to this day until you recognize how we're defining it and and there are certain definitions of persuasion that i would disagree with but the one that we think is really good and representative of what it is we're doing is this one here by daniel o'keefe persuasion is the act of changing a mind without coercion um, i don't want to coerce or manipulate my conversation partner into doing something you know at all um, and and i think that this definition is really is spot on for what we're doing. Yeah, and then probably the most important question you can ask someone in an SE conversation, in my view, is just what would persuade you one way or the other uh, as a hypothetical, um, just to explore that like whole concept of doxastic openness. Like, uh, can you imagine a scenario that would persuade you and then explore that with them? And this is the reason why uh, some people are interested in uh, street epistemology as a method of sales and marketing. That um, persuading somebody to change their mind about whether or not they can afford to buy that car um, is, uh, is, is a, a context that some people want to use SE for, that they, they feel it is, it is a method of sales um, and persuasion. Um, I think that there's a dis difference between saying, is SE... Uh, does SE uh, persuade people to change their mind, and uh, or is it for other other purposes? And I think it's it can be used for this, but it isn't necessarily used for this. Uh, it's a Swiss Army knife, depending on what your your own personal goals are. So you can can use it this way, uh, but it is it is not the primary uh, reason for uh, using SE. And I think there's some wording in here. There's something to the effect of you're working within your conversation partner's reasoning at, at all times, and you're trying to not influence or, or interject your own views. And as you're walking through how they've evaluated the quality of their reasoning, they're essentially persuading themselves. And I think that that's, yeah. that, that's such a big part of it. They're yes. doing all the work. You're, you're facilitating the environment that makes it conducive to that type of reflection. And um, that it's safe, it's a safe, psychologically safe environment to do so. And you give them the space in the room to do that. Yeah, read like the first few sentences after the illustration in that first in that paragraph after the that yeah. that's the Bain paragraph that explains the context. Yeah. You know? It's a great one. Yeah. If you'd like to change someone's mind about something, then street epistemology can help you do so. But the means of persuasion should always be through understanding your conversation partner and helping them critically reflect on their view. This ensures that your conversation partner is mostly persuading themselves. Also, the more you are committed to pursuing those goals, the more likely you'll persuade someone in the direction of what's more reasonable, not in any direction you choose. This makes street epistemology an honest form of persuasion. And then we get into the definition of persuasion there. Yeah, that's yeah, what we, I, I, go ahead. I like it. Yeah, I really like that. It, 
you guys have done some great work on that. That's good. By the way, this illustration here, I should point out, like sometimes we uh, we have a great illustrator out of England. Can you see this tab? Um, yeah. So like we'll, we'll, <laughs> um, we'll give them some guidance. Like, uh, you know, we need two people sitting at a table and doing this and that. But every once in a while, it's it's helpful to um, <laughs> mimic the poses <laughs> that we want. Them. And it just so it just so happened that during the Zoom call, Reed was actually posing uh, for the illustrator. Here. Yeah, so, yeah, illustrating like <laughs> look like this. Yes, <laughs> he was the inspiration for this particular graphic. Yeah, and I yes. like to be cozy and comfortable with my robe as we write the course. You and me, you and me both, man. <laughs> Yeah. Robe That's life. Perfect. It's such a comfy robe. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we keep it very casual when we're when we're developing these things. Yeah. You tell the illustrator that he got the illustration really correct except for the robes. Like why no robes? Yeah, why no robe? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, they're at a coffee okay. shop. It would be weird to have a have a robe yeah. at a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on the on the topic of people changing their own minds, uh, what I often say is is that uh, the most trusted voice that people listen to to change their mind is themselves. Yeah. And so I, yeah. you know, I don't tell them what they should think. They come to this conclusion themselves, a voice in their heart, in their head comes up after the conversation typically. And they think, well, maybe you're not exactly right about that. And they tell themselves this. And uh, we're always working. We're always working within the conversation. I mean, we should ideally be working within the model of our conversation partner, even for the reasons like I, I was just watching, um, rationality rules steven he, he was doing some seem, seemingly street epistemology on the street in las vegas yeah i sent you that link before this broadcast and i just i just commented <laughs> on the video like hey this is pretty good to like i see but maybe you know look into the course <laughs> but um the he was offering reasons to his conversation partner that i think he suspected that he would find convincing yeah and that's that's he that's a, such that. a great example of how i don't your conversation partner is making these decisions. They are the ones that are surfacing their reasons for thinking that this is true. And then we're exploring with them how they concluded that yes. those are good reasons. We're not interjecting our reasons unless they ask us. We can certainly give our reasons, but that's usually when rapport starts to become kind of shaky and jeopardized. And before you know it, they're trying to convince you that your reasons are poor and they're not thinking about their own reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the main reasons why debate does not work. Is because the person you're speaking to is not interested in what convinced you. They're only convinced. They're only interested in what convinced them. And uh, so it's all irrelevant what you have to say about what you think. What you think is the is the knockdown, drag out, whatever, whatever convincing thing that you you find really uh, you know uh, compelling. It's all irrelevant. And so in in debate, that's uh, you know that's just it doesn't work. Right. And for uh, clarification, we mean. Uh, why debate doesn't work um, to the per to the other person you're debating? That's right. right. Yes, on the other. Yeah. It could work exactly. for the audience. There's their yeah, audience, the members audience that are right. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. They're, yeah they're gonna be more objectively analyzing those reasons because they're not necessarily theirs. They're entertaining them sitting in those those chairs in the audience or or watching the YouTube video. But yeah, yeah. when you're the claimant, uh. You're not going to be evaluating other reasons that people are going to throw going to be throwing at you more than likely, especially if it's a it's a very personally tied claim. And also, just to play devil's advocate, there are some times in which debate can do something. Uh, though I just find that the the more deeply rooted a person is in their idea, 
um, the less effective, uh, the, the more likely um, facts that you throw out counter to their facts are going to just bounce right off because um, they're already holding different facts, uh, which are counter to the ones that you're trying to present in, in the debate. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what do you say about uh, Nathan to about people who say uh, you're doing street epistemology you're being manipulative because uh, you're actually trying to persuade me uh, it's all sounds all very neutral and and uh, you know you're trying to understand me in questions but actually you have you have a persuasion subtext uh, uh, goal How, what do you say to a person who 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 says that you're being manipulative I love this question I love this question because the answer is to se that by, say, se by asking like well what do you what do you mean can you explain more uh have them explain it more and then say what's your reason for thinking that this is manipulation uh how what would it look like to investigate your belief and have it not be manipulation is there and a then, way to do that but then after but it's, that it's all the same thing it's just more SE. yes yes but you do SE with them. But then after you do it, you ask them, and at any point, did you feel like you were being manipulated? Right. Or right. there was a, I've had a talk uh, in which somebody at the end, this is the one uh, read uh, where those two guys, they were both um, MAGA Trump supporters and Christians. And there was a couple, they, they believed that the election was stolen and stuff. Uh, you helped me with this like years ago. Um, it's one of my favorite talks I've ever had because it went on for three hours. So if you want, check check out my channel. It's on oh, there somewhere. Oh yeah, under yeah, my yeah. best under my best talks. And at the end, they were like, "Yeah, yeah, this was good," but it felt kind of like you were like, you know, short. I don't even remember what they exactly protested against. And uh, I just I asked them, "Well, what? When was the moment you felt most like that during this talk? Was there what?" can you give me an example in this in this talk that we had what was the yeah. the time you felt most uh cornered or pressured or because yeah. i want to I, I my goal is for you to not feel that way and if you right. are feeling that way i need to like adjust somehow um yeah i i push i'd push back that on that very slightly though because uh in any con the most effective con is when the mark doesn't realize that they've been had Right. In other words, asking asking your conversation partner, did you feel manipulated? And they go, oh, no, I don't feel manipulated. Well, gee, does, does that mean you're not being manipulated? Hmm. Well, that's true. The, the, the manipulation could be so strong that you didn't realize that you were possibly manipulated. Is that the yeah. argument? Yeah. 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 There is like this third person perspective that can be had that would clear that up. Um, yeah. yeah, that's uh, almost all the criticisms. I've never, I've never had a criticism that I was manipulating somebody when I was doing SE with that person. I don't yeah. think anyone's ever come back and said, "I feel that you took advantage of me or tricked me in some way." That's never yeah. happened. Yeah, it's the observers. A, a few, you know, you get an observer of an interaction, and they they come to that conclusion that you've manipulated them. Yeah, but even that's rare. I, I you know. Yeah, that's what happens is like what did what did you see that was happening that you thought was manipulative about it because i don't want to be doing that so tell me what it is i don't usually get a, a very clear answer to it and sometimes we, yeah, we what, even have a tendency to go the other way where we treat we have might have a tendency to treat people like they might be real fragile or not resilient humans where 
you know, if we just ask these questions, they may crumble, you know, and we kind of sometimes I make, I make, if anything, sometimes I go the other way. I like thinking uh, I'm concerned where in retrospect, after the conversation's over, I probably, those are concerns probably weren't warranted. Good time to Is remind people about the, uh, the fact page, we have a, a criticism section in the fact page, and this is one criticism that is actually there. We have a whole response to that. Mm -hmm. This was text that we were initially thinking about sticking in module one of the course, and then we got feedback that module one was way too long. So we ended up put, pulling it out and then dropping it out on the, the FAQ page of the website. Yeah. A website which is in the process of being replaced, by the way. Right, Robert? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Working on that one. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Was there anyone in the audience who was interested in coming on to talk about why they do SE or maybe why they don't? I've, I've got to head off to jujitsu, but I do have one thing to add to that. Um, sure. I like to ask. I like to ask um, if um, if this conversation had a good influence on you, would you be happy with that? And um, and so I think it comes down to whether there's they sense there's harm flowing from the conversation, or whether they think there's a benefit for them. And that's why they would raise the objection about manipulation. So there's there's influence everywhere. And it's a question of is the influence a good influence or a harmful influence? Um, so pretty much like Nathan, I would take the direction down there and explore that with them. So if they were struggling yeah. with the outcome, they might be more apt to call it manipulation. If they thought if they thought that we were influencing them and that led to harm in their life, I need this belief because it does me well or, it, or it's positive for me. You know, uh, then um, it's impossible to have a conversation without some sort of influence. I mean, that's yeah, the nature of the conversation. Yeah, because yeah. the driver of everything is emotion, and you know, the elephant and the rider, all that sort of yeah. stuff. But Definitely. great to catch up with everyone. Good to see you, Mark. It's been a while, and uh, hey, I'm, I'm off to get beaten up. So <laughs> off, to, <laughs> off to do jujitsu. So. All right. Enjoy. Okay. Bye bye. See you, Michael. Bye. Uh, to to have, his uh, point, goes that. Uh, that's one of the reasons why whenever I'm investigating like any kind of spiritual claim um, that I ask like I, I call it meta consent it's like consent to if your mind changed uh, on this um, subject matter like would would that be okay with you like if if it were to hypothetically happen to your satisfaction um to your own standards and you woke up tomorrow and you no longer held this belief would that be something and it was also aligned with something more accurate than before uh would that be something that you would want for yourself uh, and if they say no then i want to divert the entire conversation to why that is because that's probably the main reason whether or not that person knows it's their main reason for why they're confident. So cool. We have a guest. Yeah. A guest. And yeah, you know, um, that reminds me of what we're kind of edging on the whole uh, ethics side of SE and that's module three, which is another review, another review yes. that we'll probably do in about a week or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, how do you, how do you pronounce your name? Um, it's Shuxon. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Jackson. Oh, yeah. Jackson. Okay. Yeah. So Shuxon, it's the name of a, a mountain in Washington state. It's the first mountain I ever climbed. So 
Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's up near my nice up near Mount Baker. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So I've been following all of you guys for years and especially during the pandemic because, you know, we were all on lockdown and you guys all make great content. Um, but one of the things I wanted to join you all to talk about was my son. He's 12 years old. He'll be 13 in February. Um, and I'm a single dad. Um, I have him 11 months of the year and one month of the year he goes and stays with his mom. Um, but something I have been working on with him since geez, he was seven was the differences between fact and opinion, critical thinking skills, all, all of the basics of how to kind of navigate this crazy world that we're in. And then all of a sudden I stumbled upon one of Anthony's videos, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. And he and I have sat down and watched tons and tons of these videos. And he has really started to become more and more inquisitive. And I've actually witnessed him with friends his age, asking people why they believe what they believe. What, you know, what led you to that belief or this thought and those kinds of wow. things. And it has just been an absolutely incredible thing for me, um, greatly due to the fact that like, um, his biological mom lives uh, in a totally different state and he only visits her one, one month out of the year but it's a full QAnon, fully on board with January stuff, all of that, <laughs> tons of conspiracy theory things. And mm -hmm. it has really been beneficial for him because he can come home after a month and no confrontations, no arguments. Um, and then can talk to me about, well, I, I think she thinks this or her husband thinks that and because of this and that. And, we can talk it out together. And anyway, it's made a huge difference in his life. And I just, while you guys were chatting earlier, I was like, Hey, they just, I wrote something. I never write anything on these things. I'm, I'm a lot like abstract activist. I stay away from social media. Nice. I was, I was like, Oh, they read my thing. And I was like, Hey, how would you feel about doing these courses when I'm done with it? And we can start a YouTube channel. And we can go set up a table like one of these guys do. And I actually, I live um, just across Puget Sound from Seattle in a, this little Scandinavian oh. tourist town. And, yeah. and they do festivals all summer long here. Nice. And he was like, he was like, we could go set up a table down there. And he's like, I could have friends from my school come. We can talk to the teachers. We can, he's all excited. That's awesome. So. Uh, I was like, amazing. And I was like, I was like, Liam, his name's Liam. And I was like, Liam, you would be the youngest person doing this online. <laughs> I was like, look how old these guys are. We'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, he started laughing, laughing. And he's like, yeah, the youngest ones look like they're about 30. Yeah, we need to we need to destroy that demographic, uh, that, that perception yeah. that you have to be a middle aged or older and white to to do this. So yeah, that mm -hmm. that'd be cool. When yeah. you're younger, oh your gosh. mind's more open, so, and you can, you're just better at it. Yeah, and he's been wanting to do a YouTube channel for years, but you know how toxic all that stuff can be. And I was like, this would be a channel that would actually be something that would be gratifying, not to make money, but just because you'd be helping make a difference. But he yeah. is part, he's part of his Dungeons and Dragons club at school. So he's like, well, if we do the channel, maybe I can do like Saturday nights, I do SC and then on Sunday nights, I, I give D and D tips. I was like, all right, 
that sounds fair <laughs> to me. <laughs> are you in are you in contact with uh, David from Sound Epistemology? He lives in near the Puget Sound. No, I haven't been in contact with anyone. I mean, honestly, the pandemic threw my whole life into a complete like whirlwind. And so I actually moved. I was living in Bellevue, which is like a suburb of Seattle. And I moved across Puget Sound because my folks are in their 80s and they're not doing so great. So I'm kind of taking care of them and raising a kid and I'm a single dad and working and all this. But once this once you guys released module one, I was like, all right. I've been dragging my feet for too long. I should, I should start getting active. So anyway, that's why I came on. Say thank you guys. Thank you very awesome. much for awesome. that. That's and great feedback. I, just, I dropped the link to David's channel, Sound Epistemology, there in the comments, and that would be amazing to see some some content from you and your son. It would be right yeah. Now. It'd be really cool to have a kid do it. I think. I mean, it'd be oh, cool it, to it see it the would. both of us. But yeah, but it just and you know, I mean, I'm. I have long hair and a beard and stuff and you know, he's cute and <laughs> people I think will approach him a little bit more than they would me. <laughs> yeah. I have a, yeah. Of course, SEI, the nonprofit has resources to help in any creator, but this in particular would be special. We would help you out for sure. Cool. Awesome. Well, maybe I'll reach out to you guys. I mean, I want to go through all six year modules. I'm assuming you're going to be releasing one every couple of weeks. Um, I'm probably halfway through the first one. And, you know, other than that, it's just, I've just been listening to tips as, as you go. And I've seen how this has evolved over the years. I mean, I've watched, I mean, like I said, I started with Anthony's videos, I don't know, five years ago. And there, and now seeing all these other creators. And then Reed, I think, was the second one. And all of you guys have improved so much. I really love abstract activist videos because I was a deadhead for years. And, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I get the whole, you know, like I, now I can, you know, I was into all the weird, you know, weird pseudoscience and spiritualism kind of stuff. And now, you know, I consider myself to be atheist, secular humanist. Um, but yeah, festivals, man, that's, that's a good, good way yeah. to go. Good people, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and people are, yeah, Lots and they're open to ideas out there. There are, there are. So anyway, just, Thanks again. And I'll probably reach out to you guys at some point, but yeah, like I said, I want to go through all the modules. feel like I have my feet and um, yeah, I've got a PC and all that. I'm on my phone right now. Sorry if the quality is bad. No, 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 that's fine. Uh, just, just so you know, modules one through six are available. Now we call it phase one and we're, okay. we're working on the second phase, which will be module seven through 14. And we're hoping to get that done and released before the end of the year. So there's a ton of content on there right now. Next year. Okay. Next year. Okay. Next year. So next, I, I started yeah. the, my mind, is I started the first round yeah, yeah. and I, I think, I don't, I don't know. It was sometime late, late night last week. I started the first one. I went through, I don't know, the first couple sections that explained how to navigate it all and what it was and all that. And it was good because like I said, I've been watching your guys' videos for years, but just even definitions, having things written down that it makes it more concrete. Right on. Okay. So, well, cool. Thank you for coming anyway, on and sharing yeah. that. That means a lot. I'll, and, uh, I'll, say hello I'll to sign off. Son. Okay, so cool. Yeah, and my name, my name's Dave. My name's Dave, by the way. So, anyway. Okay. Another Dave. You, yeah, you, may, you might see a Dave and Liam's <laughs> channel okay, at some good. point. That. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks again. Later. Oh, nice yeah, people love uh, watching, um, you know, uh, SE videos with kids. 
So they're just so cute, especially when they're like exploring ideas. What was it? Um, Spaghetti Eddie. Yeah, has, yes. uh, probably oh, yeah. the most uh, oh, famous. That was the best one of the best videos. Kids. Yes. Yeah. Is Nemo real? Yeah. Is Nemo or real? Is Nemo, yeah. Or is Nemo yeah. not real? It's yeah. so cute. And I think that even got mentioned on the Joe Rogan podcast when Andy Norman was on oh, as a guest. Right. He brought that up as an example. So that was some yeah. good exposure. Yeah. Now, Nathan, you're going to be yeah. teaching some kids, right? uh yes uh well yes i mean i should if everything goes according to plan um in january i still have to fill out like a an application form and they have to do a background check on me but i'll be teaching at a, a public school here in portland that's cool you know i did yeah. an interview with uh with tebow from opinion suru the the french nonprofit organization for street epistemology and he had asked me what I thought about doing SE with kids. And my my attitude on that has has changed. And initially my cutoff was was like 15, 16 years old. I wouldn't SE anyone, you know, do SE with anyone younger than that. But then I saw examples of redoing it. And then Mark, you have an example where you were talking to a, a youngster at a festival or something like that. Mm -hmm. Usually the parents are off, they're there, right? Yeah. It's not like you're meeting these kids and doing it but their parents are there they're listening in presumably and they can step in at any time and uh i just got invited to teach street epistemology to a bunch of kids at a what is it called um there, there's a there's a philosophy group I, I i think i just tweeted about it this morning or put it on my facebook page but um yeah, I'm I'm way open to the idea now more so than before of of kids learning it. Why not? Like I think the 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 earlier younger the earlier you are when you're exposed to it and you learn this type of thinking, the better. Yes. Yeah, here's here's Eddie from Deep Discussions doing some SE with his kids. Yeah. We don't have to listen to the audio of it. Why not? Because he's in the movie. He's in the movie? Yes. And he talks. And he talks. Oh, dogs don't talk. Do dogs talk? Yeah, but in the middle of the movie, he does it. But when he's all by himself with his friends, he talks. There you go. There's a taste of it. Just look at yeah. street epistemology with, with my kids on Spaghetti Eddie deep discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got another guest, though. Yeah. All right. Oh, good. David. What's up? Right. Another David. David Worley. What's up, David? Now, you wrote a book on logical fallacies, didn't you? You're muted, You're muted. David. Unmute. There we go. <laughs> Hi. What's up, David? How are you? Oh, I need to shave and everything. Hi. Uh, it's good to see you again, Anthony and Reed. Um, I don't think I've properly said hello to Mark, Nathan, or Robert, but hello anyway. Um, hello. I did. Uh, this is it's an interesting tale. Uh, not that you have time for it, but uh, I I know that uh, it it certainly clouds my thoughts as to how to approach various different conversations. I think I come into I see a very similar angle to Reed in that I I, I see the atheist community split, and that's been really contentious, and it's very difficult to have certain conversations about certain topics. Um, I probably, please stop me at any point as well. I will just talk. I did do a podcast, so just stop me. Um, when uh, all of that was going down, I I got some flack for asking questions. Um, and I continued to ask questions. It didn't really deter me too much. 
Um, but I, I saw other people being deterred from asking questions. And it got to the, the point sort of years on, I haven't really talked to anybody since and friendships have broken down. And I got invited onto a stream for Halloween um, by a skeptic channel. I won't say who, but they basically uh, canceled me from, from being on because uh, I was accused of uh, various things back from back at, uh, in the day. And I was like, actually, this is what my real position is. Um, uh, and they sort of, they, they go back back a little bit of back and forth and yeah basically in short i'm still sort of constantly thinking every day about how to have healthier conversations and i'm just wondering what the panel thought as to what conversations are we not having that we should definitely be having and are the most you know um time specific like oh, what words am i looking for the most urgent topics conversation we need to be having right now? Good question. Um, I follow uh, Mike Nana on Twitter and his Substack. He did the Grievance of Affair documentary, but now he's kind of branched out into potentially other ideologies to, uh, to investigate. And his latest post is about post liberals, like a, uh, people on the right who want to basically not just be mainstream conservatives who are within like the liberal tradition, but to abandon liberalism altogether and just potentially go back to some kind of theocratic type thing uh, or just. It, well, even like feudalism kind of kings and queens and peasants. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's just, wow. I'm still not exactly clear on it the ideology myself is just it, it just yeah. pushes a deep cynicism and skepticism of liberal democracies and its, me and its methods and stuff so that's that's something i want to work on uh talking with people about i actually haven't made this announcement i just confirmed it today i'm going to be going to los angeles for a few weeks um but after that Right. I'm going to go to this uh, American America Fest. It's like a Charlie Kirk, you know, conservative uh, conference. Yeah, yeah but okay. I got a uh, I got a booth that I'll be able to record conversations there, and I'm hoping to demonstrate better conversations around that group of people. That would be interesting to me because there's so many things I do I agree with them about, but like tons of things I disagree with him about. So I want to help um, talk talk with those kind of people about stuff. That'd be fun. I have two open spots. It comes with the booth pass. So Nathan, Mark, this is a formal invitation for anybody. If you want around Phoenix, Arizona, December, what is it? Uh, December 16th through the 19th, feel free to come hang out and you can record some conversations with uh, some people if you want. I think Doug that sounds like fun. Tucson. Yeah, Doug's out of Tucson. I have family in Phoenix. And I was just in Phoenix for for Thanksgiving, so I would oh, love, really? I would love to do some SC there. Maybe we can swap out the three people like I am there for an hour, I leave, somebody else comes in. <laughs> I'd be totally glad to do that. That could be fun. I mean, to answer your question, David, I, I would say like anything that you observe people acting out on that you're concerned about 
then that would be something that I would be interested in. You know, so if I see people like, like I remember years ago when it was like there, there was some concern that the IRS was specifically targeting conservative groups and there were people protesting outside of the IRS office. And I was getting my car fixed and I saw them out there and it's like, oh, you know, that, that they're, if they're motivated enough to go out there and protest and, and, you know, message because they're so concerned about something. And it's something that I think that maybe they're overacting to. That was that was something that intrigued me to want to go to do. So that's sort of my barometer. If people are acting out on it and I think it might be mistaken or misplaced or harmful, then that's usually a motivation for me to to generate my interest to want to talk with people about it. Or in this case, fly to Phoenix to talk to people. You know, that's a good example of yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, up, up here in Canada, um, uh, we have this kind of front row seat uh, and watching the fireworks that's going on in the United States. And uh, and a lot of it spilled over uh, in into Canada. And uh, uh, so uh, we um, up here in Ottawa experienced the uh, trucker convoy uh, protest, which uh, uh, which uh, paralyzed um, uh, the Canadian government for several weeks. And um, uh, it was uh, a, an interesting kind of red flag that went up that, show, that showed the degree, degree to which there is uh, depolarization um, occurring um, in, uh, in, in the political field. And uh, there are very different views in terms of um, uh, how, uh, what the solutions are and what the problems are. And uh, this inability to reach out across to discuss things with the other side, whoever the big them is, are, right, is is uh, it's it's incredible the degree to which the the two sides are really like hermetically sealed from each other. They don't really interact and have any any sense of what the them guys are doing. So. Um, uh, yeah, that's 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 very important to be able to reach out and speak uh, to the other other side. Uh, if if I try to engage with somebody with whom I d disagree, third party will say, "What's Robert doing speaking to the big to those guys? He must be one of them." It's 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 the craziest thing. So um, yeah, it's this is this is one of the, the problems that I think SE can address. Right now, just making notes on that. Yeah. Cool. I hope to see you in London again, uh, David. Uh, Going to be back in January, uh, mid January, for a bit. Okay. So um, hope to hang out. Interesting. Yeah. I. Uh, so yeah, just to explain to everybody else, I'll sort of pass do intertwine slightly a little bit. So uh, I have had quite a lot of degree stuff to do in way in general uh, January and then I'll be back out in the States probably LA for the next three roughly three years I mean with coming back for Christmas but I'll be in LA for three years so okay. I don't know whether you're planning on like moving to London or what, what what's going on here but um, you look like you're having fun anyway yeah I'm traveling a lot I actually moved out of Los Angeles to Florida but my place is under construction so I'm really just traveling so I'll just see you're around hopefully and when i get back to la at some point sweet 
I, one thing I, I really wanted to, uh, to get to is because of the nature of uh, my my story, so American, um, the, the the way in which I got into the sort of community stuff and do the podcast, the podcast that led to the fallacy books, led to cancelling and to all of SE and whatever, is that, that that initial spark that started it was me going up to America in the first place. And that was like 2017, 2018. And I stayed with lots of different host families every week. So the idea is you you do camp, like football camp, Monday to Friday, and then you travel on the weekend to a new location. And just the, the first two host families I had, one, the first one was uh, pro-lifers, seven kids in Southern Oregon. And then the next week I went up to Portland and stayed with a, couple of actors now you, it doesn't really take a genius to work out that the first family were very conservative and the second family was ultra liberal and they were two completely different groups of people and that to sort of behave in different ways so i wanted to ask another question which is what questions do you think i should ask those host families over the next three years oh so you're going to have an extended relationship with them it's not just sort of a one and done type of thing. You'll have continuous conversations yes. with them. Some will, yeah. So some will be sort of <clears throat> dropped if there's mm -hmm. some. Are, some are very distant, and some are very sort of. How was your day today? And we have dinner around the table every every night, and that's that's preferred because that's great. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, some some would be maybe for a week. Some might be for a few days, and some might be for a whole month. Um, and I'm sort of have to be courteous enough to be in their home and stay there and then potentially go back um, the following year or whenever it may be. So, yeah, keep keeping that relationship is a good idea. You'd be in a good position to discuss inter-family differences in beliefs, you know, take a belief and understand why within it, even within a family. That's what I would do. Oh, interesting. Or like hmm. figure out what, what the family disagrees with if there's some contention and maybe you can actually like teach them the skills to do SE with each other or give them, you know, give yeah. them those tools where they're, why is it you want to divorce one? <laughs> yes. Charging $400 a, a night. Yeah. <laughs> I think a, a point of entry um, for a much longer extended conversation would be um, what, how do you assess or consider what is a reliable news source? Mm. Yeah. How do you know? You know what would be interesting? Also, the the SE survey comes to mind. It might be interesting to do the SE survey yeah. with the family every year. Hey, every January you do the survey with them, and then maybe you do sort of a. a comp I know Nathan's been doing that with people, running them through the survey. Don't forget, there's an online version, and so you can have many people fill it out all at once. Yes, that's true. And so you can yeah. visually see where on the spectrum people are different about fundamental epistemologies and then uh from there you can you can facilitate you say is there a question that you could ask so and so um about why they answered this way uh, uh another great like my first question usually for almost any statement no matter what the statement is on the survey is uh what do you think the statement means um and so there are 24 different statements. Each one has a different kind of like uh, subject matter it's focusing on. 
and they're all super important, crucial topics um, that pertain to just about any kind of SE talk. And yeah, you don't have to even bring up a claim. You don't have to talk about a specific claim. You're talking meta about how they reason about things. Yes. Yeah, that could be cool. And I would do the survey with both families. I, I you know, to your, to your question, I wouldn't ask different questions to, because you know one's more conservative and the other one's more liberal. I'd ask the same questions. I'd, I'd run them through the same survey. It, and then maybe you could even bring them all. I don't know if this is feasible, but it would be kind of fun to maybe do the survey with both families if you ever got a chance. But that might be, might be pushing your luck a little bit. Like, Just, just run the family through the survey. It'd be eye-opening. I bet the family would be shocked at how other people in their families are seeing things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it was eye-opening to me. I was just shocked about just how many people uh, conceptualize what true means. And that's like, you have to do that part. I mean, I know with Mark's videos, um, almost every single time he does an interview, it's how confident are you that this belief is true? And then how important is it for you to believe in things that are true? And uh, that question opens up a whole can of worms on what do you mean by true? That sort of thing. And it's really important that you nail that down because that's like the focal point at which we can uh, doubt <laughs> ourselves. Uh, you may not, you may, you may never be able to move from that aspect of the conversation, which is interesting. Yeah. And you might be stuck on that for a while, which is why I love the survey because it's just all about that sort of meta reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going meta is one of the obvious ways to, 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 to go, to go when you hit an impasse, when you're, when you're stuck, when you don't know what to ask next, go meta. Mm hmm. Yep. Okay. Interesting. I'm just Good. looking at the DSC survey. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, was there anyone else that wanted to come on, Reed? Or should we probably be wrapping it up? We've been going for about an, an hour, I think, here. Yeah, that's all. Yep. Well, thanks, David. All right, David. Thank you for coming on. And uh, sure thing. Lovely anything to meet else? Some of you. Lovely yeah. to meet you too. And thanks for the free book. I remember, I'm grateful that you sent oh, it yeah. to me. I ended up, I ended up forwarding oh, oh, it on to somebody who was in prison, who was looking yeah. for advice <laughs> on how to talk to his fellow inmates. And he's like, there, there's just so much magical thinking here, and there's the platitudes, and it's just, it's, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. You know, how can I talk to these people? And so, yeah. I, I sent your book. The it got sent back because. There's only like there's a finite number of things that you like pages or something. So I ended up ripping your book into like four sections and like Ooh. sending like Sweet. 20 okay. pages, 20 pages, 20 pages, 20 pages, so, okay. something like that. And it, fi it finally got this to guy's me. been slowly making a noose over seven months. <laughs> condemned him like with my book as well. And now I'm uh. <laughs> this is. I, I really appreciate that because that's that's an amazing story. I, I would have never have even thought that it would have like gone that far. It was just something essentially that was out there to clarify my own thoughts. So, yeah, that's really cool. What's the title of your book, just in case anyone's listening, wondering what that is? Fantastic Fallacies. There are two. Um, the second went into 
the atheist split side of things is maybe a bit more yeah thank you i wasn't specifically trying to advertise but that's that's really kind yeah and um hope it helps hope it helps i mean the reviews are definitely you know how it sort of keeps momentum um but yeah if people want to try and figure out logical fallacies for beginners um it it really at least tries to break it down i'm very proud of the audio book which i did myself uh, which is um you know, something people admire apparently so yeah i uh i recommend it at least and having I'm a good handle on, on logical fallacies can help you do better se because it can help you conceptualize what's happening what the person is talking about and what they're relying on well, it's funny because we're outlining modules seven, eight, nine, ten at the moment, which is phase two of the course. And there's a place for logical fallacies somewhere in there. We're trying to find the best place to put it. It's either in the reason section or the epistemology uh, module. Um, but there will be a place for that for sure. It's important to know what those are. Nice. If you want to do SE. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and right, if David. there's anything I can do to help, I'm sure you're more than capable. But yeah, I'll um, just, just okay. get in touch. Oh, be on the lookout okay. for for testings of the module, which yeah. we should be testing in in Kajop yeah. in, in the learning management system we have now. So it'll be good. Mm. David, you shouldn't make oh. an offer like that lightly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Careful. <laughs> yes. I'll rope you in. Yep. Give an inch, take a mile. All that I know. Yeah, I've had my dealings with uh, Anthony and Reed. No, they're they're lovely. <laughs> Yeah. All good. All right. Thanks, David. Thank you. Lovely to yep. meet. And uh, take care. Later. All right. A quick uh, teaser of the of the special tip sheet that you can get if you complete the module quiz, right? That's right. If you go through all the lessons in module two and you mark them complete. There's a little checkbox at the top of every page that you have to you have to tag to show that you've completed it. A knowledge check will become available to you. And then regardless of how you perform, as long as you complete the knowledge check, whether you pass or fail, I think, is that right, Robert? We kick off the one page tip sheet, just tip sheet. So you'll still get the tip sheet, whether you pass or fail. And then that's a really great resource for gaining confidence on how to do SE. And we have one of those for every module and there's six of them at the moment. Yes. And a shout out to Bjorn, our graphic designer, who really uh, made those tip sheets really look uh, wonderful. They're, they're, they're useful for people to have uh, in your back pocket when you're out there doing SE, you can refer to them. And a shout out to Robert, who, as I understand it, distilled the main concepts from those different modules and built out those the draft of the tip sheet that was handed over to the graphic designer. Yeah, so, there was, it's supposed to be just the highlights, just a thing. Yeah. But just to recognize the work that you put into it too. All right, great. Uh, anything uh, else about why we should do SE? Yeah, do you want to say something? Uh, I just wanted to respond to this one comment here. It says, Nathan, how do you overcome my truth versus objective truth? And to that, I say, watch almost any video on my channel. <laughs> and almost yeah. all of them have that uh, somewhere in them. Uh, most of them do. Um, the probably like just start with the 
the main one on my channel. It's like the splash page video. But then also I have tutorial videos on how to use the SE survey, which don't have a lot of views on them, uh, probably because they're slow and methodical uh, and very like, I don't know, something about it. Um, but there's some of my better videos. So check those on, those ones out as well. And I think we did a review video of one of your conversations with somebody where you were talking about truth and it was a very relative relativistic thinker at one of those fairs that you went to yep so that could be a good resource too i don't know if you have the ability to drop in the link to that video on on the spot but oh yeah probably that's a really good video because you not only see the discussion but then you see experienced se practitioners talk about that problem specifically and how to overcome it great okay well right. yeah yeah let's we'll wrap it up uh, thanks for joining us for this this uh, second review show of the modules, and we have two. Uh, we have four more to go. So the next one that we'll be doing is on considering ethics, the ethical considerations yeah. that you should probably have in mind before you have your SE talks. Yep, yep. And if you want to, if you missed the last week's one on module one, feel free to continue and uh, go back and find that video. And continue uh, listening to our reviews. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. The views, guests, and topics expressed here, or not expressed here, do not necessarily represent those of the organization.